Hey, good morning, everyone. It is a treat and a joy to see each and every one of you today. Thank you so much for being here, and welcome to Solano Valley Church. Let's worship. Let's stand together and let's worship the Lord together. Okay.
Specifically to revival prayer. Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. 
Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. This is a promise from God. And it was a direct response to a prayer that Solomon had prayed when he was dedicating the temple to God. And so I, I, I looked at this and I thought, this is just so amazing and I want you to see this. So I'm going to share with you some of Solomon's prayer from Second Chronicles 6. This is what Solomon prayed. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, and when they pray toward this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land you gave your people for an inheritance. And he goes on and he prays in verse 36, When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry and give them over to the enemy who takes them captive to the land far away, and if they have a change of heart and in the land where they are held captive and they repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity and say, We have sinned and we have done wrong and we have acted wickedly, and if they turn back, to you with all of their heart and soul in the land of captivity where you've taken them and they pray toward the land you gave um, their ancestors toward the city you have chosen and toward the temple I have built for your name then from heaven your dwelling place hear the prayer and their pleas and uphold their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you now my God may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place What stood out to me was that God's response and God's promise was in result to a prayer that Solomon had prayed. The prayer of the righteous availeth much. And that is why we come together. That is why we pray for a revival, because our prayers matter. So, what do we pray? We pray what God had asked us to pray. And this is why we humble ourselves why we confess and grieve our own sin. This is why we pray for the people in our lives, in our neighborhoods, and in our cities. This is why we seek his face, desire him more than everything, and to seek his presence. And this is why we turn from our wicked ways. We do these knowing that God is faithful to his promises. If my people humble, pray, repent, and seek, then, God says, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. I think we can all say that our land needs healing. Our city needs healing. There's homes that need need healing. And you see, we can put our time and energy into so many things, but truthfully, the only thing that's going to heaven is people, right? Souls. That's what's going to heaven. So if people matter the most to God, and that's what's true. People matter most to God. Then we've got some praying to do. Our friends and family who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ need us praying. Our city and our world need us praying. So we're going to pray. So I want to invite you tonight to join us for a revival prayer where we're going to just do all those things that God has asked us to do, knowing that he is faithful to his promise. But right now I want to go ahead and lead us in prayer if you go ahead and bow your heads. Father God, we come before you 
you are worthy of all glory, of all honor, and all praise. We confess all of our offenses. We repent of all our pride. And may we as a people and as a nation repent of our sin and turn. And then, God, look to us. Turn your eyes toward us. Forgive us and heal our land. Revive, Lord. Awaken. Save. Lord, we ask that you would send revival. We ask that you would send a move of your spirit. We ask that you would come in power and cover our land. And like you've done it before, God, we pray that you would do it again. May we live for, your, for you. May we love others with your love. And may we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's pray together, church. Lord, make us one. Lord, unify us as a church. Unify us as a body. Let your kingdom come, God. Make us one. God, we need you. We love you. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And so we humbly submit to you once again. We love you, Jesus, in Christ's name. You can have a seat, everyone. I'd like to invite Kathy Conrad to the stage right now to read from the book of Galatians. today from Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 through 26 from the New International Version. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let's just pray. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, um, for all that you have given us. I thank you for uh, this building um, that we have that protects us from the weather. Thank you, Lord, for a country where we can worship freely without retribution or fear. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that allows us to live according to your will. And I just pray, Lord, you would uh, help us to show and exhibit the fruits of your Spirit in our daily lives uh, to those closest to us and to those we come in touch with. Father, I pray right now for Gary and ask that you would bless him as he gives this message. And I just pray, Lord, that your Spirit would fall fresh upon him that you would open our hearts and minds to your word, Lord God, that um, we would be uh, more representative of your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, Kathy. Appreciate that. Thanks, Matt. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, really good to see you guys today. Glad you're with us. 
Uh, if you are joining us either from YouTube or from Facebook, we miss you. We wish you could be here, uh, but thanks for tuning in. Uh, hi, Mom, uh, because my mom watches our services every week. Uh, and she usually gives me a, a critique every week, too. It's, it, uh, it usually goes like this. That was great, Gary. So, uh, hi, Mom. Uh, you're great. So, uh, anyway, um, we've been doing a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and uh, we've been talking a lot about what it means to walk by the Spirit. And one of the things that we've been encouraging you to do, and I want to encourage, continue to encourage you to do, is to, to plug into a group if you're not in one, but all of our groups right now are working their way through the book of Galatians, so you have a better context for understanding the book as a whole and understanding how uh, Galatians 5, 13 through 26 fits in that. So we've been in, encouraging that. We've also been encouraging you to be in the Word daily, uh, and we've talked about how to do that. Uh, we've also been encouraging you to participate in uh, Sunday morning services as well. And uh, the other thing that we've been encouraging you to do is just praying Galatians 5, 13 to, through 26 uh, for yourself, your family, for our church. And I appreciate those of you who are doing that. Um, so uh, today what we want to do is we want to look at the fruit of the Spirit that's peace. Last week, uh, Matt looked at the fruit of the Spirit that's patience. So we, we got those two things. Uh, we, we, we got them crisscrossed. That was my mistake. Uh, when I put together our 2022 uh, sermon plan, I accidentally put in the same date twice. And so, uh, so we had to, we had to switch those things around because Matt had already been working on patience and I was out of town the week before that. Which, by the way, uh, was everybody here last week or most of you were here last week? Did Matt do a great job? Yeah, I thought, I thought he just did a fantastic job. So appreciate that. You know, our world today, I think we are deeply divided over a lot of issues. And so I think it's really good for us to pay attention to the fruit of the Spirit that's peace. And um, our world is deeply divided over all kinds of things, things like race, social justice, how to think about gender, sexuality, faith, marriage. Uh, we're divided over our politics. We're divided over covid uh, how to think about that, what we should be doing. We're just really divided about a lot of different things. And all those issues are very, very important issues. They really are. They're important issues. And, and I think we need to be guided by the truth of Scripture, uh, where Scripture applies to these things. We need to be guided by the truth of Scripture. I think we also need to be guided by uh, just humility. Uh, I, I think you can have the right position on an issue, and the wrong disposition. So I do believe we need to be guided by the truth of Scripture, but also think we need to be guided uh, by uh, by humility. Uh, we need to be guided by love, love and devotion for Jesus in all things. And I also think we need to be guided in love for one another as well. And so when we are in uh, conflict, maybe over our thinking, I think one of the things that's important is we learn how to respect and we learn how to listen. And um, uh, even if someone disagrees with us, that we learn how to respectfully listen and, I think, honestly be open and receptive to maybe there's something that does need to be corrected in our thinking. I think the moment we think that we are right and the other person is wrong, we stop learning. We stop listening. And if we're not careful, pride uh, begins to rise up in our hearts. 
And so it's very important that we learn how to engage in these issues and speak to these issues. Uh, in some measure, uh, I'm going to say this. Uh, actually, I'm just going to read it for you, okay? Because I want to make sure I say this right. In, in some measure, worldly values, worldly attitudes have crept into the church, okay? I, I, I think our world is divided, and we have, in some cases, adopted that divisive attitude in the, the church. I, I, I recently read uh, an article in Christianity Today. It was an interview with Matt Chandler by uh, CT, and, and they were talking with Matt Chandler, and they were talking about evangelism and reaching out to people in our world. And, and one of the things that Chandler said is he said, we can reach our world around us uh, if we can learn um, if we can learn how to be kind. Speaking the truth, but speaking with kindness. And, and the guy from CT said, hey, let's talk more about that kindness part. I want to hear more about that. But it, it's like uh, it, it, that, that we've got to be, uh, we've got to make sure that what we're saying is lining up with Scripture. But we've also got to make sure that we're being kind in the way we engage other people, especially people who think very, very differently from us. Um, what what is it? Let's talk a little bit, just briefly, about what does the Bible say about peace? And I'm just going to speak to this in very very general terms at first, and then I want to sink in. I want to look a little more closely at uh, Ephesians chapter four. But but real quick here, uh, what I want you to see is I want you to see three different texts of Scripture. First of all, Romans fourteen nineteen. The Bible says this. It says, "Let us therefore make every effort." You hear that? Make every effort. Make every effort to do what leads to peace and the mutual edification. That we are to make every effort. That means that we are to really take, uh, we're, we're really to, to, to work at it. And I'm not sure why I'm doing that. Oh, because I want to put my Bible here for a second, okay? Um, so we want to make every effort to do what leads to peace. Later in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 3, the Bible says this. Make every effort. You, you see that? I mean, when, when, we, when you think of making every effort, I don't know what you think about. But what I think about is this. You waste no energy. You focus all your energy on this one thing and you do it to the pl- uh, point of exhaustion. You do it until you've done everything that you can do, and then you do a little bit more. It's about making every effort means that something is really important for you and that you are really going to be invested in it. Now, sometimes we can make every effort and we can invest ourselves in things that aren't that important. But apparently, peace is that important. Because the scripture says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And then again, in Hebrews twelve fourteen, the Bible says, make every effort to live in peace. When we look at the fruit of the spirit, uh, that's peace. We're talking about, we're not just talking about peace with God. That, that's important. Almost every book I've read on the fruit of the spirit talks about having peace with God. Okay. But almost every book will also say, but that's not the fruit of the spirit. That's peace. Almost every book that I have read on the fruit of the Spirit that talks about the fruit of the Spirit that's peace, they will talk about uh, the importance of inner peace. You know, uh, uh, you know, like that peaceful, easy feeling, you know, uh, 
Okay, well, that's the Eagles. Okay, that's not the Bible. But, but, but there is, I believe, an internal peace that comes with following Jesus, trusting in Him, resting in Him. But that's not what the Bible is talking about when it talks to us about, about uh, the fruit of the Spirit that's peace. When the Bible talks to us about the fruit of the Spirit that's peace, the context is, is uh, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. The deeds of the flesh are things like dissensions, factions, people dividing. And so when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about a way of relating with other people that looks something like the way Jesus related with other people. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit, what we're talking about is we're talking about the life of Jesus, the life of Christ, lived out by you, lived out by me, and the way we interact with other people. And so when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, this peace, we want to think about it primarily in terms of how do we relate with other people around us. Oftentimes people who think and believe very, very differently. Throughout the Bible, the Bible speaks to this a lot. In Psalm thirty-four, fourteen, the Bible says, Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's what it looks like to do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Uh, Jesus said this. He says, have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Being at peace with other people was very important to Jesus. In fact, Jesus says this. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. By the way, I'm supposed to be a peacemaker. You're supposed to be a peacemaker. Uh, that, That blessed are the peacemakers. There is blessing that comes to us. When we are people who contribute to peace. There are some people who like to to fan the flames of dissent. They like to make, uh, they like to kind of stir things up. But that's not what God has called you and me to do. He hasn't called us to stir things up. He hasn't called us to fan the flames of dissent and anger and division. He's called us to be peacemakers. This means, this is about our disposition, about how we interact with other people around us. Um, The Bible says this, it says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The good things happen when peacemakers are sowing in peace. The Bible says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I I think it's kind of interesting is that it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. So we have a part to play in making peace, but others do as well. And there are limits to what we can do, and we need to know our limits. But we are to do everything we can, make every effort we can to pursue peace. Okay? Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, the Bible says this, live in peace with each other. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says, for whoever would love life and see good days, they must see peace and pursue it. I'm going to make a comment. Again, I want to, I want to try to get this right. Um, 
in how I say this. I, I think there are a lot of things that we look at in churches, in church context, to determine the health of a church. Okay? I mean, just as a pastor, I've read a bunch of books. I've been to a lot of conferences. And we always talk about what does, what, what does a healthy church really look like? And there are a lot of things that we sometimes look at and we think about. But, but the greatest indicator of health and vitality in a church isn't its attendance. Okay, atten- I'm not saying attendance isn't important, but a church can be very large and still be very unhealthy. So it isn't attendance. It's not its programs. Programs can be very, very good. But programs themselves don't necessarily make a church healthy. Uh, dynamic leadership. I, I think everybody wants to have dynamic leadership in a church. That is important. Uh, but... But it's not uh, dynamic leadership that necessarily makes a church healthy. Uh, fantastic preaching. Uh, what could be wrong with that? You know, obviously we want fantastic pe- preaching. Uh, a number of baptisms in a year. Wonderful worship experiences. Beautiful buildings on prime pieces of real estate. I would love that. Okay? Uh, and then just a large surplus of cash in the bank. Now, there's not anything necessarily wrong with any of those things, okay? I'm not saying that those are indicators of a lack of health by any means. But I believe that that when Paul was writing uh, to the church in Ephesus on what makes a great church a great church, he said this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, that is something you can do and not, not have a building. That's something you can do and have no cash in the bank. That's something you can do and, and, and not necessarily have all the, the programs that another church has. This is something that we can do. That we can make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, what I want us to do right now, we're going to read through, we're going to look at Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6 in a little bit more uh, detail. And, um, and, and I want to just answer a couple of questions for you if I can, okay? Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, I'm reading through the, uh, from the NIV Bible here. Uh, the Bible says, as a prisoner for the Lord, Paul was in prison when he's writing this letter to the Ephesians, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So we have received a calling. And there's a way of living that is worthy of that calling. By the way, there are also ways of living that aren't worthy of that calling. And so Paul says to us, he says, I, I urge you, um, uh, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble. Not just kind of humble. Not just sort of humble. Not occasionally humble. But be completely humble and gentle. Um, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. A uh, couple questions. First of all, what is peace? What is peace? All right? This is my definition. doesn't have to be yours. All right? I'm not saying this is the right way. I'm not saying this is the only way. I'm not even saying it's the best way. But it's my attempt to try to 
to, based upon my own reading, study of Scripture, I think peace is more than the absence of conflict. Sometimes we think, you know, there's a war between two countries, and then they have peace. But really, peace is a lot more than a cessation of hostilities. Okay? There's a lot more that goes into it. Very, very interesting. The, the, the Hebrew word shalom, that's translated as peace, uh, it, it, it has a sense of wellness that goes beyond just an absence of conflict. And when we think about the word peace, that's how we should think. It's, it's a wellness that goes way beyond an absence of conflict. Peace is healthy, holy, and, life, uh, and a life-giving way uh, of connecting with others and doing community that enriches our lives. Okay? In, in the bond of peace, the bond of peace, see, peace is a bond. It's like the glue. Okay? It's, it's the glue. It's, it's like that holy cement. Uh, that 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 uh, the bond of peace is what makes the unity of the spirit possible. The peace and unity demonstrate itself, I believe, in relational warmth, which is one of the values that we have as a ch- church to be relationally warm. It, it just demonstrates itself in relational warmth, and, and uh, uh, in in a way that it makes room to include everyone, needing friendship and inclusion. What it does is it, it brings. Shalom to the life of every person who comes through our church doors who's needing friendship, needing inclusion, uh, who needs the kinds of relationships that bring healing to our lives. Does that make sense? So, um, so why should we pursue peace and unity? Okay, uh, I, I, I give you just a, a, a few thoughts here. Why should we pursue peace and unity? Uh, I'll give you seven, okay? Because there's seven in the Bible, all right? Uh, why should we pursue peace and unity? Because there is one body, the church, okay? There's one body. Yeah, there are lots of local churches, but there is one body, the church, the universal church, that includes all true believers, all true followers of Jesus uh, in the world today and throughout, uh, throughout Christian history is that, that we are the body of Christ, that there is one body. There is one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Uh, there is one hope, uh, the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Uh, there is one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is one faith, one faith, uh, the faith in Christ through which we're saved. There is one baptism, uh, the public profession of our personal faith in Christ through water baptism. There is one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. So why should we pursue peace and unity? It's because there's so much at stake in it. I mean, everything that we are about, everything the Bible teaches us, uh, everything the Bible teaches us about, about the church, everything that the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit, everything that the Bible teaches us about the hope that we have in Jesus, everything that the Bible teaches us about the Lord Jesus Christ, everything that the Bible teaches us about saving faith in Jesus, everything that the Bible teaches us about that public profession of our personal commitment to water baptism. Everything the Bible teaches us about God. God the Father. Being over all, through all, and in all. That 
is why we make every effort. We don't make a casual effort. We make every effort. We fully invest ourselves in um, in in uh, keeping the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So, quickly, what makes peace and unity so hard? Uh, really, just a couple of things. I listed 14, okay? Uh, and I put it up here as SOS. I'll explain that in a moment, okay? But what are some of the things that, that compromise the unity, unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? I'm just going to say number one is selfishness. Just selfishness. It's like self becomes this like, you know what a black hole is? When, when a, a star or a significantly star that's really large kind of burns out at the end of its life, it, it, it will sometimes collapse in on itself. And it, it takes this, it, it, it becomes incredibly dense. You take a star 20 times the size of our sun. You, uh, you, you make it collapse so that it fills the size of basically a city like San Francisco. The gravitational pull of this black hole is so immense that it actually sucks light into it. That's why it looks black. That's what self is like. Self is like this, this, it just kind of sucks everything else into it. Okay? So, selfishness. Uh, right next to that, I'm going to say pride. Pride. I, I just think pride tears relationships apart it tears marriages apart it tears families apart it tears churches it tears uh, communities it it, it tears nations apart where there is great pride there is great sin but but i think i think pride is one of those issues i think unholy priorities unholy priorities what do i mean by that Uh, an unholy priority is it's a priority that says, well, I know the Bible says I'm supposed to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. But I have a bigger priority. It's my day. It's my agenda. It's my way of doing things. Any kind of agenda or priority we have that competes with our calling to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace is an unholy priority. Unholy priorities. Uh, I would say politics. Politics. I think the caustic attitude uh, that that we see in how people talk about politics. I'm not talking about how it's done outside the church. I'm talking about how it's done in the church. I'm talking about how it's done on Facebook and things like that. Is is it, it just becomes very caustic and toxic. It becomes very unholy because we put a greater priority on our political party than we do on the advancement of the gospel in our community. And so I think politics is one of those things that, that divides us. I think racism, huge, very, very huge. Uh, by the way, was race an issue in the book of Ephesians? Was it? If you've read through the book of Ephesians, absolutely. The whole point of talking about unity in the book of Ephesians is how God has brought together Jew and Gentile. Into one new people, one new family, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, all people who are followers of Jesus, one new um, humanity, the church. Uh, racism, 
Huge issue. Classism. You know, despising people because they're of a higher class. Or despising people because they're of a lower class. But classism. I, I think resentment. Resentment. I, I think that, uh, well, I'm just, I'll, I'll just put all these together. Resentment, unforgiveness, and bitterness. Actually, I should start with unforgiveness. We feel injured by a person. So we feel justified in our resentment. In our resentment becomes bitterness. I remember several years ago, we had, uh, doggone it, is it Dehelise? What is his first name? Dehelise? Okay, I just remember him saying, the hell you say. But anyway, I'm sorry. Dave Whitaker's a good friend of mine. Dave pastored uh, Morgan Hill Bible Church for many, many years. He used to be the executive director for Venture Church Network here in Northern California, and now he's... uh, He's the director over the nation, but but uh, I think that was while you were was that was was uh, you were you the one who brought him or was it Brad? I couldn't remember. So, but I remember him talking and he was preaching from Hebrews, and I remember him making this comment. He, he talks about let there be no root of bitterness in you from the book of Hebrews, and I remember him talking about and he asked this question: Do, do you have any bitterness in your life? And so me, you know, humble guy that I am, just thought, nah. No bitterness. No bitterness in my life. And he said this, what, what, about, what about resentment? I thought, nah, nah I'm not. No, no resentment in my life. He said this, what about disappointment? And all of a sudden I just felt this sharp pain in my heart. Because when I had gone to that conference, I had been feeling very, very disappointed with a person who had made some promises of things they were going to do, and then they backed out every one of them. And I remember just feeling this sense of disappointment with them. And that's where bitterness begins. Before it's bitterness, it's resentment. Before it's resentment, it's disappointment. It's unforgiveness. And that's why a lot of people give up on the church. It's because they feel injured by someone in the church. They imagine they're injured by the whole church. They refuse to forgive They'd rather just kind of marinate in their bitterness. And they isolate. Uh, What are some other reasons why um, uh, unity is so difficult in peace? The unity of the spirit and the bond of peace is so difficult. I I think clicks. Uh, It's just kind of natural. You kind of have a chemistry with some people more than others. And that's not a bad thing. But when we become, when we begin to exclude people because of that, that, that can be a bad thing. I think superficial relating, superficial relationships. I was reading last night an article by this pastor. He's pastor of a large church in the South. And I grew up in the South, so I know this really well. Uh, in, in the South, we uh, are very good at superficial relationships. We're nice to everybody, Okay. And you made this comment that, that there's this statement you hear a lot in the South. Bless your heart. And what it means is, you are such a moron. That's what it really means. But we'll never say, you're, you're a moron. We'll just say, bless your heart. Uh, but, but superficial relating, I think other reasons for uh, that, that unity and the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace are so difficult is, I think, fear. Fear. Sometimes we have been hurt. And and for good reasons. And we're afraid of being hurt again. Or insecurity. We just don't feel very good about ourselves. But mostly, 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 the biggest 
reason that unity, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace is so hard is because of S-O-S. And I already talked about it. That big black hole, it is the suck of self. Uh, it, it's what one of my, I remember Talking, uh, I don't remember his name, but I remember one of my profs when I was at Dallas Seminary, he, he just talked about this, what he called the suck of self. That it's what makes following Jesus so challenging. And it's what makes really living out and making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So what makes peace and unity possible? Well, uh, okay, part of this I got right from the Scripture, but before, well, I got all of it from Scripture. But number one, and this isn't on the list, but I'm just going to say one thing that makes um, that makes the pursuit of, of peace and unity possible is the Holy Spirit as we walk by the Spirit. But I'm going to say number one after that is repentance. Repentance. It means you go back to anything I just said a moment ago that you relate with, Good chance there might need to be some repentance there. If there's pride in your life, there's got to be repentance. If there's selfishness in your life, there's got to be repentance. But whatever it is, anything that's standing between you and making every effort. I'm not talking about casual effort. Because casual effort isn't making every effort. If we're making casual effort, we have to repent. We have to make every effort. To keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. A uh, few more things here. I'll, I'll just share with you uh, very quickly. A few more things that are very important here. I'm going to say uh, to be completely humble. Okay? And by being completely humble, by the way, uh, the, that's what the Scripture says. It, says. it says here, be completely humble. Not kind of humble. Not occasionally humble. Not when it's convenient or easy humble, but be completely humble. That it takes complete humility. Um, I liked what there's a um, there's a guy. He's a New Testament scholar, a theologian, uh, but he made this comment. He said Christians ought not to strive for supremacy or power. By the way. This is a lot of what's wrong in how we think about politics. Because a lot of politics is a pursuit of power. Okay? We always want to say it's for the public good, but a lot of it is a pursuit of power. Uh, and, and he said, Christians ought not to strive for supremacy or power. They ought to allow others to take precedence and credit. That's not easy, to let others take precedence and credit. Because we have a, de- a desire sometimes to protect what's ours. Okay? So, uh, repentance, being completely humble. Also, be completely gentle. Be completely gentle. Uh, at the beginning of the series, I told you guys, if there's a fruit of the Spirit, when you look at, actually, there's one fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But I, I asked you guys at the beginning of the series, Look at one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that you feel like needs the most work and work on that. And so a while back when I wasn't even thinking about doing this series or talking to anybody about it, I had asked, Matt, what can I do to be a better pastor? And he said, work on your gentleness. 
And about that same time, I had had a conversation with Joy, and she had said almost the exact same thing. These people are people who love me. They care about me. They are for me. That's why I knew I can trust them when they tell me something like that. And so right now, I'm working on my gentleness. Jen, what are you working on? <laughs> well, at the beginning, you said self-control. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So love, if you're joining us on video, love is, is because that's kind of the root of everything. I agree with you. I'm working on my love, too. Okay? So uh, be completely gentle. Uh, and then, um, uh, um, again, uh, the guy I quoted a moment ago, Klein says, uh, William Klein, he says this, it takes an incredibly powerful person to be gentle. Okay, not exactly his words. I kind of, I, I took what he said and made it better. Okay, uh, it, it, it takes, an, there's no pride in that. Okay, it, it takes an incredibly powerful person to be gentle. Uh, by the way, the, the word gentle, pros, is the word, the Greek word. Uh, that word, William Barclay says that that word was used in Greek to speak of a horse. That was a very powerful animal that had learned, that had learned to respond to the gentle nudges of his master. It's great strength under complete control of its master. Okay, and and so that's what gentleness is. He went on to say this: uh, it, it's um, it's being powerful like Jesus. Again, not exactly his words, my improved version. Uh, he says it's power, and I would add, like Holy Spirit power, the fruit of the Spirit power. This is the person who doesn't need to assert himself or dominate others. He isn't touchy, resentful, or retaliatory. Now, those are pretty much his words. I couldn't improve on that. But I just thought it was really, I thought his point was very, very good. But we have to be completely gentle. Fourth, we have to be patient. Now, I'm not going to say a lot about this because... Uh, that's one of my other things i got to work on. That's the reason I was so glad when Matt said he would preach on that. Uh, I just have to get someone to preach on gentleness for me, okay? But, but to, to be patient, if you have questions about that, you can go back and listen to Matt's message last week. It was fantastic. And then finally, bear with one another in love. By the way, all of this comes directly here from the Scripture. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. And that's what we do, and that's how we do it. I'm going to go ahead and ask our worship team to come back up, and I'm going to close this out in prayer. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are faithful. Uh, you are everything that we need. Uh, Lord, um, we want to get better. We really do. We want to get better at walking by your Spirit. We want to get better uh, at just living out uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we want to, uh, as we are looking at peace today, we want to do those things to, that really promote and pursue and encourage peace, where there's mutual edification. We, we, that, that, that we want to, to pursue peace, that, that, that mortar, that glue that makes unity of the Spirit possible. So God, I just ask you to help us. Uh, to do these things, because these things don't come naturally to us. They come supernaturally as we are walking by your Spirit. So just teach us how to walk by your Spirit. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Good morning. All right, really quick before they start doing some worship, I have a couple announcements for you guys. I just want to thank Gary for that great message. And it just makes me think about, like, 
God doesn't need us to fight for him. He fights for us. So if we find ourselves in a place where we feel like we're, we're having a fight, maybe we need to take a step back and let God do that because he's our fighter. We don't, he doesn't need us to fight for him. He fights for us. Um, I just want to thank you guys for being here today. And I just want to remind you while we're doing this walk in the spirit um, challenge. Um, and this, I feel like, goes for all year. I would challenge you guys for all of this all year long. But we have four things that we want you to make a priority right now. And that's to be here every Sunday morning for worship. Whether in person or online, we appreciate you being here. And we feel like it's so important to our growth and um, just learning all about walking in the Spirit and what, how that applies to our life. Uh, the second thing is we want you to read your Bible every day. And not just during this time of walking in the Spirit, but every day, all through your life. If you miss a day, it's okay. We have the next day. But we just want you to get in the practice of being in the Bible. That is what empowers us when we're having that struggle with peace, with um, we're having a problem with someone. We can find answers in the Bible, in God's Word. So we encourage you to use that as a tool. Um, right now, we also want you to be praying Galatians 5:13 through 26 every day. That serves as like a mirror for us. Are, where are we falling short? Where are we succeeding? What do we need to change? If we're looking at that, we can reflect and see what God wants us to see about our own personal journey. Um, and lastly, join a small group if you haven't already. Again, this is something that we do all throughout the year, not just for walk through the Spirit, but all year. If you haven't joined a group, it's still open. It's still time to join. There's always an open seat for you. So please come join a group. Um, that's how we grow together. Um, I have an exciting announcement, and that is coffee and refreshments are coming back next week. Yes, donuts. Okay, donuts, people. I don't. My kids have been just like craving some sweets after church. Okay, so when I saw this, I was like, yes, they're going to be so excited. Please, um, if you haven't signed up to serve in that ministry and that's something you're interested in, you still can do that. There's a sign up on the back table. We appreciate all of you who have signed up. And we're so glad. This gives us an opportunity to have a refreshment after church, to visit, to fellowship together. Once again, it's awesome. Um, the next thing I want to tell you about is, again, what Carolyn touched on. That's our revival prayer tonight. That's going to be at 630 here. We'd love for all of you to come. If you're a person who's not comfortable praying out loud, you don't have to. You can be praying in your spirit. You can be in agreement with what's going on. We're not going to put you on the spot. And make you stand up here and pray. Okay. So if that's something that's hard for you, it's okay. If there's, if God sometimes challenges us to get out of our comfort zone. If you're feeling afraid about coming tonight, maybe that's God saying, come anyway. Try it out. Just come and listen. You don't have to talk. You can just listen and pray in your spirit. Um, now I want to change over to um, worship through our giving. Uh, we have several ways that we can do that. Um, one is, Going to, like I liked how Jet did last week, www.solanovalley.org backslash giving. You can tap give, the give button on the SVC app. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can text the word give to 707-883-3019. Or if you're here in person, we do have a silver slot in the back. You could put an envelope in there, and we would get it that way. 
Again, we just want to thank you guys for your kindness and your generosity, and I hope you all have a great week. Thank you so much, Jen. Let's stand together, everyone, and let's sing this song together. Let's make it a prayer. Let's make it a prayer to God to make us one. Here we go.
being with us today. We'll see you next time. Thank you.